The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. Today's Buzz the City. Let's talk. Your city, do you really know what it is? I'll tell you. It's a complex, vital entity with the power to impact not only your local quality of life, but also national and global economies. That sounds pretty important. So how is your city running? I have a couple of questions. Think about this. Is innovation part of your city's DNA? part of its spirit, and perhaps most important, is innovation part of its budget and its capabilities. We all know it comes down to the bottom line. I have a panel of three experts who are going to take us through this talking about Urban Matters Best Run Cities. Let me tell you what they sent me before the show, some really interesting quotes, and then we'll meet them and find out what they mean. First up, we will be speaking in a minute to Sean Patrick O'Brien from SAP, and he says, what defines a best-run city? How can you measure this? What do you benchmark it against? And is this the same way the citizens, businesses, and officials make such a judgment? Questions, 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 and we will have Sean Patrick O'Brien give us answers, answers, answers in just a minute. Also joining us today is Megan Cook from the Center for Technology and Government at the University of All at Albany in New York. She quotes, uh, this is new to me, Lisa Gansky, the author of The Mesh, a book that's subtitle, Why the Future of Business is Sharing. And here's the quote Megan sent me. The mesh is an emerging business model based on a network-enabled sharing. On access rather than ownership, this is a great topic, and she'll bring this up later, where consumers have more choices, more tools, more information, and more peer-to-peer power to guide the choices. Interesting quote from Lisa Gansky. We'll be finding out from Megan why she chose this. Rounding out our panel today is Cindy King from the city of Edmonton. She sent me a very long quote, a lot of good stuff in here. Listen up. The world is now more open than it ever was. Information is becoming a bigger part of our lives. More than ever, people are accessing it online. The 2010 census tells us, and we'll find out if that's the Canada census or the U.S. census or more, 2010 census tells us that 82% of people age 16 and older are using the Internet every day, and it's increasing as web gets more easy and cheaper. Sharing data and information and connecting with another is unavoidable. That's what we want to talk about in terms of our topic today. So join us for the next hour when we talk about best-run cities, 
Urban Matters. Yes, it does. Yes, they do. Part two, we started this topic back earlier in, let's see, March 13th, 2013. Let me introduce my panelists so you can hear their voices, get to know them a little better. First up is Sean Patrick O'Brien. I think he's calling from France, and it's a good connection, too. He's the Global VP for Urban Matters and Public Security at SAP. He's responsible for SAP's global strategy, solutions portfolio, ecosystem, and go-to-market activities for, here's why he's on the show, smart cities and public safety and security. He focuses on the launch of a new SAP Urban Matters program for best-run cities, and previously he led a regional SAP business startup for public security across EMEA. Even more interesting, early in his career, Sean Patrick O'Brien worked in the SAP UK Public Sector Division, and he was a military scientist in the Royal Army Medical Corps and a senior police officer. My goodness, Sean Patrick O'Brien, that's quite a resume. Welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well, Bonnie. Thanks for that great uh, lead-in. Yeah, no, it's my third career with technology and cities. So, uh, as, as always, you're always learning, and uh, I, I think it's fantastic that uh, there's so many things happening around the world that we can talk about in cities. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me again. Nice to have you back. And where in France are you, Sean? I'm in Toulouse. Oh, so is this vacation? Yes. Is this vacation or is this uh, business? No, no. I'm based. I'm based in Toulouse. I've been based in Toulouse since 2005. So uh, a bit better than, than the UK for, for sunshine and uh, the wine's better as well. Although Glad we do to have hear some it. UK wines, not so many. <laughs> when we get to what's in your cup, I want to hear about a good wine. We're looking for recommendations. Thank you, Sean, for calling in today. And let's turn to Megan Cook, Center for Technology and Government Program Manager. She works with teams from government, corporate, and academia to address information management issues through a unique collaborative process. And we'll be hearing about that in a minute. Megan is responsible for overall planning and management of major center projects, including conceptualizing, developing, and overseeing work focused on the policy management and tech issues surrounding IT use in the public sector. For 15 years, she's made major contributions in the areas of open government, mobile government, intergovernmental information sharing management, strategic planning, and IT business case planning. Megan Cook, welcome to Coffee Break with Game Changers. How are you today? I'm doing great today. Wow, that's that's pretty long when you read it out loud. <laughs> I, know. I keep telling that to my guests. You know, okay. I try to cut the bios down to a couple sentences, and I just can't do it because you've all worked so hard to accumulate all of this good resume content, and I feel like I would be rude by not reading it. So thank you for indulging me. Megan, where are you calling from today? Uh, right now I'm in New York City. Um, since Center for Technology and Government is part of the university at Albany. Um, we've been asked to speak at the Chancellor's event, Building a Smarter University. So that's going on actually two rooms away from me right now. Very nice. Well, thanks for absenting yourself from that to give us an hour of your time. No I'm on problem. Long Island, so I'm on Long Island probably about 20 minutes away from where you are by train oh, wow. uh, and maybe faster by walking. It depends. And uh, I'm guessing that you're having a little bit of a combination of gray and sunshine mixed in today, a little bit flipping back and forth. That's our, that's our weather system, probably yours. Thank you, Megan, so much. And Cindy King is the Director of Enterprise Architecture and Planning for the City of Edmonton's IT branch. She works closely with the CIO to implement the city's overall IT governance, and Cindy helps to ensure current and future technology decisions, supports the organization's, I can't believe this, 2040 strategic plan, the way ahead. Is that right, Cindy? The 2040 strategic plan? 
Wow. Let me finish your resume. That I'm, I'm amazed. I, I said to myself, it's a typo. I meant 24, 2040. Wow. That's, uh, that's future looking. From 2011 to 2013, the present Cindy was the director of Workspace Edmonton, the city of Edmonton's move to Google business applications as their main tech platform for over 10,000 employees. Cindy previously worked for KPMG Consulting and GE Aerospace in the U.S. You've also got an interesting background. So Cindy, what brought you to Edmonton for goodness sake coming from aerospace oh well what brought me to edmonton alberta was love i fell in love and i had to move to canada my husband was an edmontonian is an edmontonian <laughs> i like the way edmontonian sounds i think that's a new word for me that i appreciate that and 2040 you really have a plan that far ahead huh we do our council is very visionary and it was a incredible process with a lot of engagement from our citizens to actually lay out the vision of what we want the city of Edmonton to be. And we want to attract people. We want to make it a very livable city and we want to be a top tier city. And so that vision has been crafted and that drives all the big decisions in this organization. Thank you, Cindy. We have a lot more to learn from you as the show progresses. Let's go back to the opening. And I'm going to give you each just about a minute to talk about your quote because we're running tight on time. And then we'll do more when we come back in the start of the roundtable. So, Sean Patrick O'Brien calling from Toulouse. What defines a best-run city? How can you measure it? What do you benchmark against? Is this how citizens, businesses, and officials make such a judgment? A lot of questions. What are the answers, Sean Patrick O'Brien? Well, if, if, I, if I knew that... Uh, solely, then it would be a, a wonderful place to be. I, I think cities are so complex. Uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think one of the things for sure, when, when, when you talk to the mayor or you talk to the senior officials, uh, you know, they, they have a clear view. They say, you know, at the end of the day, how can they make it, it more livable in the city? So safe, green, clean, efficient. Mm-hmm. You know, how can they transform government so it's open, fair, transparent, and how they can help local businesses uh, grow and how they can encourage large businesses to move to their city. So that's pretty straightforward, you know, those three areas. But the way to achieve that is very complex. And a lot of cities will talk about they're competing in a global economy for skills, for investment, for technology, for innovation. Uh, and, and that competition means that they have to keep adapting, they have to be agile, they have to be looking at a wide number of things that the city needs to do. And a lot of organizations are looking at what the DNA is to make you a best-run city, so across a range of criteria. And we, we in SAP have been looking at how we build an urban value framework to look at that broad set of criteria, those broad set of outcomes that they're seeking, so that we can put that into context of technology. Thank you, Sean. I have a question for you before I get to Megan for her quote. Sean, let's level set just for a second for our listeners. What size cities are you referencing when you talk about best-run cities? Are we talking uh, – I'm here on Long Island. We have villages that are incorporated. They almost run like little cities, even though they're literally sharing borders and sharing the yellow line down the middle of the road and who gets the parking meter on this side. But I, I think of them almost as little cities because they're all trying to achieve the best for our residents. So what size city? are you talking about what's the low end what's the high end well we 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 didn't choose the this is why we chose urban matters so looking at urban settlements and we tend to focus on urban settlements about over 200,000 people Uh, and you know that that normally constitutes a a large city and a lot of the studies that have been done by various organizations like Kinsey etc will look at that Mm -hmm. kind of size 
settlement as a as a focus area for okay. across the world. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. I just wanted to let everybody know what your frame of reference is, and I'll ask Megan and Cindy the same. So, Megan Cook, I'm going to break down your quote from Lisa Gansky, very interesting author of The Mesh, Why the Future of Business is Sharing. Uh, let me just read one piece of that. The Mesh is an emerging business model based on a network-enabled sharing access rather than ownership. And I've read and heard about this, Megan, where you won't own a car, you'll borrow a car. Like New York City has a, a bicycle stations all over the city and you pay on some kind of a, a card or a, a, a credit system and you pick up the bike, you drive it to where you need, you drop it off, you check it back into the, the dock or the slot, it registers, you've returned it, and somebody else uses it. So is that the kind of sharing and how does that impact, Megan, quickly, how does that impact what you see for best-run cities today? Is that a best-run practice? Uh, yes, it is. But it, it, that quote is really meant for um, not only what is being done in cities, but what cities can do themselves. CTG okay. is an applied research center, so it's our goal to understand, think about um, how cities can run better and also use technology. So we hear a lot of cities talking about the idea of sharing, and many are doing it. So when I pick that quote, although it's very applicable to businesses, um, and the book really focuses in on that area. There's many governments who are taking part in sharing services and sharing governance to make decisions and not investing in their own infrastructure. And so I think if you think about it in two ways, one being the internal uh, components of a city and a government, the way it's run, and the services that are provided in society, they, they share, the ones that are run well, share this common idea of sharing. Thank you. And that gives me a perfect lead into Cindy King just before we go to break. Cindy, the last line of the quote you sent me is sharing data and information and connecting with one another is unavoidable. So tell me a little bit about what you meant about that, and then we'll wrap up and go to break. Cindy King, City, City of Edmonton, please. Thank you, Bonnie. Um, what we're experiencing at the city of Edmonton as we've been moving uh, more and more onto the social platforms and Google business apps is it just becomes more and more natural to be sharing information. The tools support it. Um, we, uh, our city administrator, our city manager, just started engaging with all 10,000 employees across the Google Plus platform, and it allows for a very rich, vibrant dialogue, and it's really helping align all our employees into a common vision and breaking down barriers. And it's just one example of how having that connectedness and the sharing of information allows us to work better for our citizens and to live, um, align to deliver better services. Thank you very much, Cindy. Appreciate that. We are off to a good start, a good game changer start. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We are live today is Wednesday, October 30th. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. Great panel today. Sean Patrick O'Brien from SAP calling in from Toulouse, France. Megan Cook calling in from her temporary quarters in Manhattan. And Cindy King, city of Edmonton, calling in from Edmontonian. She's an Edmontonian. Yes, she is. We'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that dial. We're talking today about Best Run Cities, Urban Matters Part 2. How does this apply to your city? Where do you want to live? Where do you want to work? And what can you do about it? Don't even think about it. We'll be right back. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And here we are, and it's time for me to find out what my three esteemed guests are drinking today or what they wish they were drinking. Let's start off with Sean Patrick O'Brien. You know, that's really catching on with the three names, Sean. This is we're going to have to have T-shirts made. I don't know. It's wonderful. Or buttons. I love Sean Patrick O'Brien. It's just a beautiful thing. Sounds like a rock star. So what is our rock star from Toulouse, France, drinking right now? Or what will you be drinking after the show, Sean? Uh, well, I'm actually I'm drinking some great Colombian coffee. Uh, we, we did something on Urban Matters in Bogota a few weeks ago in the city of Puebla, Mexico, and uh, I got a taste for Colombian coffee. So that's, that's what I'm drinking now, and we do have a great story about the Colombian coffee makers, so there is a link there also. Yes, t- just quickly, tell us the story. So uh, the Colombian coffee makers, they, they have to go into town, and often that, or the city, to, to look at the price of coffee, and often that's a fair old journey and they have to make that trip nearly every day which takes them away from the business that they want to focus on so we we ran a project as the corporate social responsibility team ran a project to actually connect the colombian coffee farmers up using mobile technology to coffee prices and to the the the, the main system for the colombian coffee cooperative so they no longer had to travel to the city. They could get their access to how much the coffee is. They could transact it. They got the best price for the coffee. They didn't mm-hmm. have to drive into the city. And that program also includes educating the coffee farmers who had never used technology before on how to use it. So, I mean, that's just one example of how technology is changing the way businesses can operate and actually how cities can make it easier for small businesses to grow. Certainly is. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. What flavor is your Colombian coffee? You have a name for it, Sean? No, it's just I, I actually bought it uh, out there, and it's it's just Colombian coffee. It's just uh, it's just great. High test, I can tell. Thank you, Megan Cook in New York City today. What are you drinking today, Megan? Or well, you know, I really I really struggled with this because I'm drinking espresso, <laughs> and that that seemed so ordinary. So. What struck me last night um, in this beautiful city, we were having dinner, a friend of mine after the conference, and we were waiting. You know, we had a great dinner. We were waiting for our check and waiting and waiting and thinking, hmm, it must be free tonight. And as it turns out, it was free. And here's the reason why. Somebody paid our bill. Really? And so I decided in my cup this morning was gratitude. 
because, oh, that's so nice. Because Very nice. we love the city and um, it was, it's been a great conference and we are, it just really took me by surprise. And I thought, this is what's in my cup. Some gratitude to the people of New York City because I've heard so many stories of paying it forward and it's never actually happened to me, but now it it has and I'm going to make sure it happens again. Wonderful. Very, very thoughtful. Very sweet. And I'm happy it happened to you. Uh, Being a New Yorker, a native New Yorker, I'm I'm glad that somebody in our city, whoever it was, did that for you, Megan. So welcome. That's lovely. Cindy King, City of Edmonton, what are you drinking right now? I'm drinking a Tim Hortons Large Double Double. And for those of you who may not be familiar with uh, the Canadian coffee chains, Tim Hortons are everywhere. It was a chain that started by a hockey player. Who else? We're Canada. And Mm -hmm. Double Double is the lingo up here for two creams, two sugars. And uh, I've just gotten so embedded um, being here for 13 years that when I go back to the States to visit my family, I forget myself and I go into McDonald's and I ask for a double-double and they don't know what I'm asking for. But here in Canada, no matter what coffee chain you go into, they know what a double-double is. A (laughs) double-double. Funny thing is on this segment of the show a couple weeks ago, it might have been on our HR Trends with Game Changers series, we had a woman who was a native Australian and she said the first time she came to the U.S., she and her husband traveled. They went into a Starbucks, looked up at the board to order something, and couldn't make head or tails out of what the order was because all of the the, the names of the coffee, the sizes and the styles and what goes with what were all different. Well, it was a very charming story. So she said it was something like a short white and a tall black, and, of course, our, our eyebrows are being raised on the radio. Two people later in the same panel on the same exact show was an American woman who works for SAP, and she said, guess what? My husband and I traveled to Australia. We went to Starbucks. We couldn't figure out anything on the menu because we know what it's like here in the States. So we had an exact mirror image of the same experience internationally with the two panelists. It was You could not make this stuff up. Anyway, thank you to my panel. I'm waiting to see what Malcolm is. Oh, Malcolm is back to the Keurig. Malcolm Kimberlin, my esteemed co-producer at SAP. He's back to the Keurig using an environmental-friendly, highly recyclable K-cup with dark roast. Thank you, Malcolm Kimberlin. Appreciate that. And as my guests already know, Sean knows this, they don't let Bonnie have caffeine on show days. I wonder why. Okay, kids, it's time to get serious. (laughs) Enough fun. Time to get serious. I want to talk about our topic of the day, Urban Matters Best Run Cities. And there's something Megan Cook sent me before the show that references my question to Sean Patrick O'Brien at the end of the first segment. I said, Sean, what size city are we talking about? What's your frame of reference as Urban Matters at SAP? Now, Megan sent me the following note, and I think this bears discussing. The note Megan sent was, small and medium-sized cities face different challenges than larger cities. So, Megan, why don't you kick off the roundtable? Let's do a little more of the level setting. When you say small and mid-sized cities, what is your reference point? Is it mileage? Is it population? Is it age? Tell me, what are the demographics or what are the metrics you use, and what are these challenges? And then, Cindy, we're going to have you jump in with this. Go ahead, Megan. Yeah, so I wrote that because um, mostly um, people, when people think about the size of a city, they, they immediately think of the population. And mm-hmm. so when you're talking with someone and they say, oh, it's a large city, they'll give you, you know, uh, how many, you know, millions of people are in there. And then I'll speak to another person who'll say, oh, well, that's just a medium-sized cities because they're dealing with the mega cities of the world. When we speak about it, we do deal with with population, the amount of 
uh, employees, the amount of services they provide. But our center recently has worked with some small and medium cities with the populations anywhere from about 85,000 people up to maybe 300,000 people. So that really is the range that we have some recent experience in working with. And I think some of their challenges um, are different than the larger cities. And it it could be based on the fact that, uh, you know, resource decisions are made differently and Mm -hmm. there are different services provided. And so we just wanted to really elicit what some of those lessons learned were for those cities um, and and see if they can learn from the bigger cities, maybe just at a different pace. And I wonder if there's learning going on in the other direction too. Maybe uh, you know we talk on the startup uh, startup focus show here. Sometimes a startup has the agility, the flexibility, the passion that might be gone or might not be as flexible in a bigger, more established city like a bigger enterprise. Does that apply mm-hmm. too, Megan? Yes, yes, I think so. But I I wouldn't. You know, I, I wouldn't know for sure, and, and I would venture to guess that the information sharing um, from larger cities to small cities and back isn't as prominent as we would hope or think. And, ah. um, yeah, so, you know, it's hard to share information within your own organization or your institution. Then, you know, you meet people who are similar in similar cities. So if you find a city that's similar in range and scope and you you can share information, but I don't believe that it happens a lot at, with cities that are of different sizes. Interesting, interesting. Talk about talking across the table, the big table, the small table. Cindy King, City of Edmonton, what's your thought on size of city? How big is Edmonton? And by the way, thank you for being with us today, Cindy. I know you're stepping in for Chris Moore, and we're so pleased to have you. Chris was on the show on part one, and please send him our best. So, Cindy, what size is Edmonton, and what are your thoughts on on the frame of reference John Patrick O'Brien gave us and what Megan Cook just added? Yes, um, Edmonton's about a million um, in population, but we cover one of the largest land masses when you look at all the cities because um, we are out in the prairies. So one of the common topics that um, is usually in our elections and with our citizens is urban sprawl. And as mm-hmm. you expand out, then you have the discussions about how do you deliver all those services, how does transit work, how do you fund that, the difference between what the developers do and what citizens need to pay. And um, on the from a, a growth city, from a uh, Edmonton perspective, we have one of the Alberta has one of the hottest economies in Canada and has for quite a while. So we get a lot of people coming in um, to work here and live and stay. So we experience about five percent growth per year. Um, so you can imagine what that does to you when you're thinking about planning and deploying uh, city services. That's a lot. Sean Patrick O'Brien, you want to comment on that growth of Edmonton and Alberta, Canada? What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, 5% is pretty good. I, I think uh, yeah. one of the best regions for growth recently is, is Latin America. I think they were growing 4% as a region uh, average, which was much higher than, than uh, many other parts of the world. And, and th- one of the reasons they were associating that is the urbanization in Latin America is about 85%, which is the most urbanized part of the world at the moment. So I think that growth at Edmonton is fantastic. Okay. I, wa- I want to thank and, you, Sean. Go ahead, Cindy. Oh, Bonnie, I was going to say, I can comment a bit about Megan's point about sharing of information between cities yeah. as well. Please do. Um, so we do a lot with uh, the city in the South Calgary, 
and uh, they're a larger city than us, but from an IT perspective, we do a lot of partnering with them. And I've just started um, some scenarios where we are looking at exchanging IT assets. So we've built something that they're interested in. Um, they just built and deployed a new parking system, which we're actually piloting up here um, in Edmonton. And it's just allowing us to um, deliver services more effectively, and it is uh, an exciting partnership or a sharing perspective, and it would be great if we could see more people doing that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm glad to hear that. Um, and that goes to the, you know, the original quote that I was trying, you know, to to bring home the point that mm -hmm. there there is these sh these sharing opportunities going on, whether it is an application built in one place that is shared, or or even I've seen it. Um, uh, sold at a very minimal cost just so the uh, organization can recoup some costs. But it is it takes place on this level of sharing across governments. Um, so it does happen. I'm just hoping that through radio shows like this, um, publications, that it occurs even more and, and through associations as well. Very interesting. I know that was Megan Cook. Megan, quickly, before we, we're just about ready for break. Megan, where does the impetus for this, this zest for innovation, this interest in improving livability, transforming government, sharing, that's what we're talking about right now, where does this come from? Does this come from somebody coming from one city, moving to another, or visiting and saying, hey, look what we're doing here, this could benefit you? Does it come from citizens, perhaps college students, coming back from their studies, coming home to visit mom and dad and the, and the old elders in the family and saying, you know, I learned about cities that are doing X, Y, Z. Why can't our city do that? And somebody says, go talk to the mayor or go to the city council. So does it come from inside the city government? Does it come from the residents? Does it come from outside? In other words, an idea has to be sparked and generated somewhere. Megan, in your experience, where does it come from? Who, well, who's the I, one who carries the banner? Who carries yeah, the banner? I don't think that it comes from any just one place. I think that there are leaders who say we are, at, we are in a budget crisis. And therefore, mm -hmm. we have to think differently. So they are pursuing the idea of sharing functions and services. And there's a really great model for small municipalities um, on the eastern seaboard, which I can talk about later. But it also comes from the societal pressure, just as there is um, consumerization of IT and the need mm -hmm. to be connected all the time. There's also a pressure from citizens to have their governments operate um, more efficiently. And, and that has permeated through. So it, it comes from multiple areas, but one of the things that makes it work is when there is opportunities to share this type of information and structures in place um, to govern those types of initiatives. Because when the governance structures are in place, then it's um, the rules and the policies and the procedures are set forth so these ideas can actually be brought to action. Because I'm sure there's many of these ideas that exist um, within government and, and within people in cities, but it's making them happen. It's bringing it to fruition um, right. where we've seen that's where the biggest challenge is. Thank you, Megan Cook. We're going to go to break now. We're talking about the proactive and the reactive impetus for 
urban cities, best run cities. What are the plans? What is the urban framework? What are the hot topics for city innovation? Somebody's buzzing in the background. Guess what? We're going to our halfway break. You're listening to Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. My panel includes today Sean Patrick O'Brien. He is a rock star. SAP calling from Toulouse, France. Megan Cook, Center for Technology and Government, shorthand CTG from the University at Albany, New York, and Cindy King from City of Edmonton. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We'll be right back with a lot more on information you can't afford not to have. Brad, out. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at twitter hashtag sapradio now let's get back to coffee break with game changers here we are talking about urban matters, best-run cities. Is yours a best-run city? What can you do about it? What would your goal be if you think it's not being best-run? What would you ask for? To whom would you speak? We're speaking today to Sean Patrick O'Brien at SAP, Megan Cook, the Center for Technology and Government, University at Albany in New York, and Cindy King, City of Edmonton. I'm going to pick up the pace here a little bit, and we're going to focus on the hot topics for city innovation. We've been talking extensively about city size, sharing information, apps, talking about all kinds of things. But I want to talk about the hot topics. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. We'll start this segment off with Sean Patrick O'Brien. I want to talk about transportation, public safety, citizen services, and sustainability. Hot topics. How do you know these are the hot topics? Do they come from your research, Sean, or where do they come from? And it sounds to me like these would be the top-of-the-line picks. But is there a bigger list? Talk to me. Yeah, well, there is a bigger list. I mean, I think I think one ah. of the advantages that I have had in the last 12 months since we launched the matters is we, I've met with lots of cities across the world. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, we were in the city of Puebla in Mexico, which is a World Heritage Site. It was built in mm-hmm. 1532. It was designed then as a smart city, the way the streets, the shade, halfway through the day, you can always get a shady bit. I met with the mayor. I mean, he was very... He was very clear that strong leadership and execution from mm-hmm. the city government is a key part of how cities uh, innovate, how cities succeed, how they stay competitive, how they become a more connected city. So, and, and that's a very similar theme I've heard. You know, we, Melbourne was the most livable city, been voted the last few years. We mm-hmm. had a great project there with the Environmental Protection Authority around environmental compliance. So, 
I think the first thing I'd say about, you know, to connect with, with Megan's point is it doesn't really matter the, the size of the city anymore. I think it matters that the city has a strong government that's able, with a vision that's able to execute. And I think in the past, people have viewed strong government as a bad thing, you know, bureaucracy slowing mm -hmm. down the city. And I think now people are realizing that strong government with the vision to execute can liberate creativity and liberate innovation in the city, which is sometimes bottom up and sometimes top down. But I think if you don't have that strong government or good government in the city mix, then your city can't really realize its potential. And as we know, every city is dealt the cards it's dealt with. If you're in Cape Town, you have the beautiful uh, Table Mountain. You know, we've been a long-standing uh, work with this customer a long, a long time. If you're in Auckland or Brisbane, you know, you are where you are. But what we're finding, like the Boston project of Boston Bat Results last year with Bill Oates and Mayor Menino, is every city has to manage a wide range of things to compete mm -hmm. globally. And sustainability is a key part of that because I think, you know, energy, consumption, green living, you know, making it a, a better place to live is a key part of that livability subject. But also things like public safety, you know, if it's crime, if you're suffering or vulnerable to natural disasters, it's very difficult for cities to to manage that if they don't have a plan and they aren't able to anticipate and react to situations. And often in, it's those cities that the poorest or the, the least the least well-off are the ones that are, uh, are disproportionately impacted. So I think this social cohesion in the city is also a key part of it. Sean, how do they prioritize? And I want uh, Megan Cook and Cindy King to jump in as soon as Sean answers. How does the city prioritize? We know budgets are limited. We know capabilities may be limited, not just by learning curve, who knows what, but it just there's just so much bandwidth. You can ask the people running the government, 24-7 is 24-7. We do run out of time from time to time. So how does the city prioritize the transportation system, public safety, citizen services, sustainability? Just looking at those four, does one always pop to the top? Does public safety always come first on a best-run city's priority list, Sean? Well, I think it depends on where you are, uh, you know, where, okay. what your situation is, where you are, and the, the, the current challenges you have. And I think you have to manage across. It's, it's an Olympian challenge, so you have to manage across mm -hmm. a wide range of things, you know, economics, uh, are you resilient? Do you manage your finances? Do you have the culture? Do you have a healthy and caring population? Do you, are you, so you've got to manage all those things. Uh, if you don't have a great infrastructure and you don't have a good transportation system, businesses won't invest. You don't collect the taxes. You can't invest in the city. People who are skilled and educated move to other cities. So it, it is a complex problem where, you know, there are some fundamentals that you have to do. You have to be financially prudent. We've all read about, you know, Detroit mm -hmm. and the situation there. I think exactly. you've got to be able to, you know, manage your finances, collect your taxes. So a lot of the work we do in, in Latin America, the city of Guatemala or Mumbai, city of Mumbai, 13 million people, is they want to be doing the basics really well because, if they don't do the basics really well, they don't collect the taxes, they don't have the financial resources to invest and innovate. And I think doing the basics really well is one of the fundamentals that all cities are trying to do. And the city of Puebla, they, they won an award from SAP because in a lot of uh, Latin American cities, for example, they have grown so quickly with urbanization, the infrastructure, the urban sprawl, the way they collect taxes, all doesn't work so well. So I, mm -hmm. I think... You know, back to your point is, 
you have to prioritize, but you, have, you can't ignore everything. So you might have, in Cape Town, it might be public safety and economic development is a key theme. In Boston, it might be something else. But I think cities are realizing that you have to manage across that level of complexity and you have to manage everything together because it's the yes. things that you manage together in a well-coordinated way that make you a best-run city. That's what I was looking for. That, that's the nugget of wisdom I was looking for. Thank you, Sean Patrick O'Brien. Megan Cook, Center for Technology and Government. Agree, disagree, ask, talk to me about prioritization. Does it all have to mesh? And going back to Lisa, Lisa Gansky's quote from author of The Mesh, I'm, I'm looking at mesh in a different way, Megan, where everything has to mesh at once. So what do you think? I think that Sean said it well. I've, I've heard him uh, say that before, and I, I do agree. I agree with everything that he said. Um, one of the things that we're helping cities do is use a different type of planning approach. So when you have all of these uh, individual services, you have transportation, you have public safety, you have waste management, you have health and human services, all of them have to provide services and, and fundamental basic um, services to people within the city. When you have a structure, a governance structure, that pulls across all those departments is really when they can start to think about and prioritize across those different services. Um, because traditionally, funding has occurred just within each one of those silos. So when they're making decisions, they're making decisions about which type of transportation, which type of public safety applications, programs, services, uh, resource, you know, new staff members that they're going to bring on. Mm -hmm. but when you bump it up a level and you look across all your services, it becomes much more difficult to make decisions about resource investments because those investments uh, are, are very different. You know, people say they're apples and oranges. And one of the things that, that we've done at CTG is help cities think about um, a public value planning approach, which takes in consideration of the quality of life, the social value, the strategic value. What is the value of that investment to a set of stakeholders? And then look across the departments and say, okay, are we hitting the same set of stakeholders? Are these stakeholders core for you? And now you can look across and say, these are the 10 types of quality of life improvements you're going to mm -hmm. see to that stakeholder. So you can start to make prioritizations in a different way. Um, and it doesn't mean that they haven't been thinking about, talking about public value their whole careers. It's just that it's a, it's a more systematic approach to looking across the many sectors um, in a city in order to make these resource investments. Thank you, Megan. And Cindy, I'm going to ask you to shift gears with me. We have about three minutes left to this segment. You sent me a couple of notes that I don't believe we've covered in the conversation that just are really interesting to me. Number one, you say in the city of Edmonton, we are using gamification to help people learn things in different ways. The other thing you said I'd like you to tie into that is social media as a technology has become an everyday tool used by many people for many purposes. Tie those both into how Edmonton is a best-run city today. Cindy King, please. 
Absolutely, and, and it even supports the prioritization process that um, we've just been talking about. We actually look for innovation, and the gamification and use of uh, social media is the way that we go about doing business differently in order to hit mm -hmm. more of our priorities. In the gamification, what we've done is our traffic safety department has launched a Facebook game called So You Think You Can Drive. And this game <laughs> allows people to compete. Yeah, isn't it great? Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. It allows, that's great. No, sorry. It allows people to compete in the head-to-head -head challenges about traffic safety. And while they're playing the game, they're educating themselves. Um, some people want to learn in a fun manner, and this game allows you to do it. In fact, you sometimes don't even realize what you're learning. But that's one example of what we've started to explore in the gamification area to help our Love citizens. It. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, on the social media side, just becoming more and more pervasive, and there's really just no way um, to get away from it, um, we use it here in the city. Our um, new councillor, or I'm sorry, our, our new mayor, Don Iveson, who was just elected, um, mm -hmm. is a 30-something and is strong into social media, ran his campaign that way. And he and many of our new councillors are on Twitter all the time. And one of the changes we're seeing in the city with administration is we all need to learn to send messages in a very concise manner in a very frequent way, and you don't have control of the message like you used to on traditional communication channels. Um, I think that's really good. I think it's um, getting information out to the citizens into a broader group, but for people who want to control that message or maybe aren't comfortable with change, it can be very uncomfortable. Once you put it out yes. in the public space, it can go anywhere, and it, you know, we've talked about things going viral, people comment on it, they uh, tweak it, maybe not how you planned, but sometimes I think that's how you get some of the best ideas, and it's how you get innovation. And that ties back to sharing. We're at the break point, but I'm, Brad, we're going to push it just one more minute. Sean, I'm going to give you 30 seconds so we can keep sort of to our, our last segment. Do you, what do you think about this gamification? The idea of so you think you can drive and the idea of social media being the new way, the new format for communicating at the city level with government, with residents. Sean, what are you observing in the cities you work with? Just quickly. Well, I, I think there's a, a whole uh, drive to open up the city so that citizens are closer to decision making. They understand how the city is performing. They feel they can participate and influence where decisions are made. So I think the whole way government or cities connect with their citizens and the whole way citizens can have an impact through open data initiatives, through you know online polling, through real-time analysis, through mm -hmm. you know early warning is a good example in public safety that there's something going to happen. They want to be informed. So this real-time connection between the two parties is, I think, is, is growing. It's very big. It's going to get bigger. And expectation is every time you give something more to the citizen, they want they want even more. So it's going to get it's going to get even more sophisticated. Thank you very much. Megan Cook, quickly, agree, disagree, the idea that gamification is a fabulous idea, that social media is the new channel for communicating. What are your thoughts, quickly? Yeah, I think this is one of the places where um, size and, and resources available to a city really makes a difference. So, you know, mm -hmm. I, think, I think that is a great application, so you think you can drive. Do I think a smaller size city um, would be able to get that up and running and, and really dedicate resources to that instead of another area? I'm not so sure, but this is where the, the idea of sharing comes in, where 
cities get together and maybe reuse some of those applications. Where I have seen social media work where it transcends the size of the city is in um, disaster recovery response and, and um you know, natural disasters that are upcoming. The use of social media has really taken off, and it really it doesn't matter what size the city is because they've started to see value from that. So I think that's one of the areas where, um, you know, the, the, the size, um, the population, the landmass of the community um, doesn't matter in the area of using the social media. Thank you very much. You know what? We have to take a break, and we're going to do it, but I'm asking, I'm giving a homework assignment to Sean Patrick (laughs) O'Brien, Megan Cook, and Cindy King. You better take this seriously, ladies and gentlemen. I want you to get out the polishing cloth, the banky, the silk scarf, the chamois, the rag, whatever it is. Go out in the garage or the attic. Find, or the archives at the city, find the crystal ball, polish it off, and when we come back, I'm going to ask you if we had this conversation five years from today, or you pick a different time frame because it's your crystal ball, what would we be talking about in terms of best-run cities? Will the paradigm we're looking for change? Will we be talking about prioritization and innovation and app sharing, or will we be in a totally different level of conversation? So think about that. You've got one minute. I'm not giving you any more than that. It's a pop quiz. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. We're live, heading into our crystal ball segment. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss this one. Brad, take us out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Speaking of a cup of gratitude, which Megan Cook so kindly mentioned in her her new love affair with New York City and her wonderful dinner where somebody paid forward for her and her her, uh, dinner companion last night, I want to do a cup of gratitude to Peg Cates at SAP, who is retweeting our tweets about the show today, Chris Moore at the City of Edmonton. We've also got SAP Urban Matters tweeting. We've got Teresa Pardo, who I believe was on part one. Karen Geraldo is a fan of SAP Radio. Appreciate that. And we have to mention CTG at University of Albany, also mentioning us on Twitter. Thank you, everyone. And the hashtag we love to use is hashtag SAP Radio. And Megan Cook is tweeting while she's talking. That's a good one. I love guests who could tweet and talk, chew gum, and and eat broccoli at the same time. Now, it's time to get serious. We're going to go down to the original order first. Sean Patrick O'Brien. Sean, 
Time for the crystal ball. I know you found it. I know you polished it off. What do you see? I'm going to give you about a minute and a half. If we had this conversation five years from today, Sean, what would we be defining a best-run city to be? Or you tell me, what do you see? Well, I, I think the first thing is is we'll see the, the 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 decline of the smart cities hype. I think that's been very very good at crystallizing the mind in cities, you know, about what they need to do. So I think that that will that will wane. I think the second thing is cities will better understand what they need to do, what the DNA is, what the magic dust is for them to compete globally, and they'll understand that in a much more intimate way than they, ha- they ever have done before. And the consequence of that will be a lot of new cities will, will move up the ranking in terms of global competition. We'll hear you know, cities from China, from parts of Asia, from Latin America, becoming more competitive, becoming more uh, relevant in today's you know, economy. And that means that we'll, we'll see a lot more social mobility, people moving from one city to other, for social or economic reasons. So I think the the city or the urban marketplace will become more competitive. I think we'll see new city players. I think the pace of innovation will accelerate, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that will redefine uh, the the next 20 years of how, how global economies, where the power base is, where the city innovation is, where investment goes. And I think... Uh, there's a lot of research around consumer classes, consuming classes, you know, the rise of the consumer class. Mm-hmm. And I think McKinsey did a report that by 2025, 65% of the global growth will come from 600 cities. And I think it's those 600 cities that will set the tone for innovation going forward. Thank you very much, Sean Patrick O'Brien. Great perceptions, great predictions. Megan Cook, CTG Center for Technology in Government. What do you see in the crystal ball? How far do you see clear skies, or are they a little murky? Megan? Well, you know, we we did a piece about 20 years ago that was looking at the major challenges, not only for cities but, you know, other forms of government. And we went and looked at that again, and the things were almost exactly the same, working across the silos and a lot of before the beginning planning. So I could spend time talking about those things, which really aren't sexy. They've been around for a long time. It's hard to mm-hmm. work across jurisdictions. The thing I want to talk about is that I think when we look out, people in cities are going to be better informed and better uh, have more capabilities to look at data and be able to make decisions based on that data. I had the opportunity to listen to uh, a gentleman who runs all the sports data for all the major leagues, and that's been around forever, and they have to be perfect every single day. And one of the Mm -hmm. things he said was it was a learning curve. He tells the story of Billy Martin of the Yankees. You know, he was hired, he was fired, he was hired, he was fired. And during one of those times he was fired, he sold a contract to the Yankees that said, listen, we've done data analysis on every single game. Billy Martin didn't believe in that. Billy Martin comes back because he came back so many times. And then Mm -hmm. he looked at it and made decisions based on some of that data when he knew a knuckleball was going to be thrown. So Mm -hmm. I say this because it took a long time for him to come around and say, listen, Now I'm looking at the data. I'm making decisions based on it. It's not just my gut reaction or what I believe is my institutional knowledge. So I think as cities collect more data and become better data 
analytics users of data, mm-hmm. then I think that they're going to become more mature in their decision-making about that, and that will affect services, um, how they do resource investment. So I think it's just a learning curve, and we're, it's a natural place for everyone to be as they're trying to um, really ascertain the skills and the capabilities necessary to get the data, make decisions, um, and then take action. Thank you, Megan Cook. Very optimistic. Appreciate that. And Cindy King, I can give you about a minute and a half, no more. Give me your predictions. What do you see? Can you look five years ahead, Cindy, or what is your time frame? Um, You know, over the the next five years, I really just see things continuing to trend. We're going to have more interconnectedness across devices and multiple platforms. You're really going to see more sharing of data related to location and information that's already available in open data stores and apps. It's going to be available to citizens and cities and and companies to deploy in a new way. I just recently watched a YouTube video on the latest incarnation of the Google Glass. And just imagine this scenario. You're at a business networking event of 100 people. You have your Google Glasses on, and you ask it to say, tell me who in my network is in this room. And it it comes up and it gives you the list, and as you're walking through, um, it brings up pictures of people. Um, so that you can actually make those connections. And, and I think for some people that might be a little scary. They're like, oh, the computer knows everything. But mm-hmm. if you learn to leverage it, then you become more connected with individuals. Um, so I think we're going to see more um, things along those lines from a city perspective. I think it's going to be more open data. Um, the citizens getting more transparency into how their government is making decisions or spending money. Um, I think we'll see the beginning of different types of engagement where citizens can actually better influence how the city develops or defines or delivers those services. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's pretty exciting. Think about it. You're leveraging the power and the knowledge of all your citizens to build the best services and the effective services that a city needs to actually meet their needs. What Thank would you, that Cindy do for King. customer satisfaction? That would be fantastic. Yep. That's a good prediction. Guess what? I have 30 seconds left to give my predictions, but they're easy. I wrote them down. Here we go. Next Wednesday, Coffee Break with Game Changers, one week from today, 11 a.m. Eastern, November 7th. Can it be November? I don't know. The new CFO agenda, tying predictive analytics to financial performance, also a part two of a show we did on SAP Financial Excellence Radio back in June. Tomorrow, it's Startup Focus with Game Changers, one of my favorite days of the week, Thursday, 4 p.m. here at Eastern. It's Halloween. Well, trick or treat, we're going to give you a treat. We're talking to three startups about getting the first customer and then the second. What changes in your paradigm, in your methodology, in your product, in your sales strategy between the first customer and the second? And next Tuesday, HR Trends with Game Changers, Tuesday, 12 noon Eastern, November 5th. We'll be talking about working models, virtual hives for collaboration and innovation. There's a provocative topic. Thank you to today's special guest, every every show is special. Every guest is special, and you three certainly are. Sean Patrick O'Brien, thank you. Megan Cook, thank you. Cindy King, thank you. And shout-outs as well to Malcolm Kimberlin, as always. Matt Small, thanks for shepherding this one along. Peg Cates, thanks for tweeting, and thanks for bringing Matt on board. Leslie Beard, thanks for helping me set up a prep call with Cindy today. Brad and the Business Channel team, you know I appreciate you. Here's my call to action. Put on your seatbelt, everyone. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game-changer today. Bonnie D. Graham, 
Graham signing off for SAP Radio. This has been another very interesting Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP. I'll see you tomorrow here on the Business Channel, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Startup Focus with Game Changers. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.